0: Head to NetSuite.com slash c for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's Insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's seven two zero zero zero, And download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside, With Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now here's your host, Joel Block.
1: Do you ever wonder why some companies run like a well-oiled machine while others have poor engagement and a revolving door? To answer that question, Robert Grossman. Robert, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great, Joel, and I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Hey, well, listen,
1: man, thanks very much. And uh, so what is it about great companies? What, what are great companies, those well-oiled machine companies? I mean, we see these companies. What are they doing that's working that other companies are not doing?
2: Well, I think Peter Drucker said it best when he said culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think companies that are really high-performing and doing great, they very much so focus on their culture. They develop their leaders to be high performance leaders, they work on things like their emotional intelligence and their communication skills, and they create teams that are also high performing teams.
1: I'm with you on this, I mean, I agree, but there's a lot of CEOs and a lot of you know chair people or whoever they are, mm-hmm. and this just doesn't come natural to them. I mean, so if this doesn't come natural to you, and, and, and like leading people isn't kind of part of your thing, you know you gotta do it, but, you know, how, how do you kind of help people that are not natural culture, nice people like that? You know,
2: I think a lot of us, uh, especially older CEOs, older leaders are, are still stuck in the way companies were, were run when our parents were in, were in the workforce and it was command and control. You show up to work, you go to your corner, your desk, you do the work you're supposed to do and then you leave and you didn't question, you didn't participate, you just did your work. And so, oftentimes I'm asked by people, you know, senior people, how do I manage millennials, for example? How do I get them to work the way I want them to work? And my immediate response is, you're not. And if you try, you're going to have a very disruptive culture. You're going to have to change the way that you lead, especially with the new generations coming up. So, we we start to develop people, first thing is usually we develop people in emotional intelligence. We help them understand that in order for them to stay on their A game, they have to manage their emotions. I mean, you know, it's like Joel, when something happens and you get upset about something, you know, you want to, a lot of people want to act it out, right? They want to yell or they want to- well, They, they, can't, they can't help it. They can't <laughs> help it, right? It's like, it's like on autopilot, right? So, and I, I used to do that too, um, when, you know, before I started studying emotional intelligence. Well, I recognize that that wasn't working very well. Um, in fact, I have some great stories that I tell about, uh, you know, I was producing large events and, and I would I would get upset. Well, the results were pretty poor from those meetings. So we develop people in emotional intelligence. We help them understand that that when something happens, we call it a key moment or a triggering event, that typically they're, they're, they're emotionally charged in that moment. And so we... We first teach them how to hit the pause button, you know, and to recognize that they're having an emotional response, but then they need to engage their rational brain, they need to think about what's going on, and then they can respond to the situation.
1: I mean, so do you think that, that these companies, high-performing companies, uh, people have a little bit more self-control about their emotions? I mean, at, at the CEO level and also at the team level?
2: I think that they do. I think that they're developed in these areas. Or, or they're just naturally more inclined to manage their emotions. But I'll give you an example. Um, I, I was referred into uh, a company that, that had a 60% turnover rate. Wow. 60%. The ratings on Glassdoor were horrible. And um, some of the ratings were things like, well, we don't know who's gonna walk out of the office. Uh, somebody started new this morning, and by 10 o'clock they left crying. Uh, because the 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 CEO just was not; she was out of control. And when I asked the CEO, "Do you think there is any, anything to do with your leadership style?" she said, "Absolutely not. Right? It's not me; it's them." And I ended up not high, not I ended up turning down that engagement because what I realized is that she just wasn't coachable. Yeah. So does that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen if if she's in total denial and she's not open to. Uh, to any other perspective, then yeah, you can, you you're you're wasting your time.
2: Yeah, I think also leaders are starting to realize that the old way of doing business just doesn't work anymore. Well, you know, I heard something
1: really interesting about this. Uh, you know, one of my very nice friends is a, a generational expert, and they were saying that like our parents, who we learned from, you know, kind of grew up in the shadow of World War II, which is that military command and control. Our grandparents, right. you know, they they you know that. You'd work somewhere for thirty years, and you know, and, and we've kind of grown away from that. But there, there's a generational explanation that makes a lot of sense about why the world was, and the people that work for us, I guess, are just not responding to those things. Although that's kind of what we're used to. So how how do we get used to something new? I mean, how do you recondition?
2: Well, so first, I want to just you know talk about what you just said—that the command and control structure or the current organizational design that we're using was actually created like in the 1920s, right? And and what was interesting about or what was different about the work back then than it is today is that most people went into a factory and they did their job. They pulled the lever, they punched the button, whatever they did over and over and over again, and they rarely collaborated with other people. Well, that's changed dramatically, especially since the invention of the internet. Right now, now we're knowledge workers, and so the old style of doing business doesn't work in today's environment. So, what do we do? First, we have to get them to acknowledge that what they're doing today is not effective, and um, and and usually they see that after talking with them for a little while, um, and then we we take them through some work, some co- either either it's going to be one to one coaching or it's going to be workshops where we teach them a whole new way of leadership, where you know, as a leader, you lead from the balcony, right? You empower your members, your team members to collaborate and do work together. And and the results are just so much better. Every single person in that type of environment is typically engaged in the process.
1: You know, I had a, we had a guest on a podcast here just recently. They were talking about how... Uh, every employee say at Ritz Carlton mm-hmm. is empowered to spend a certain amount of money to mm-hmm. solve problems mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is that they need to do, you know, but, but a lot of companies, a lot of, uh, you know, middle-sized companies who we really address, they're, they're, it makes them nervous to think, well, gee, you know, I mean, uh, what, if, what if my people waste money or how do you, how do you help the CEO through that to trust their people a little more?
2: Well, we have them take baby steps. Right? We don't throw the switch and say, okay, yesterday you were command and control and today you're high performance. Um, so we we develop them slowly over time and we identify areas where they can begin to give up a little bit of control and gain trust. It's also about how CEOs delegate too, or leaders delegate. Most people are very poor at delegating. Right? They don't they don't think of delegating as a way to develop people. They think of it as getting stuff off of their desk. And so they don't set up the proper structures of check-in and communication methodology and, and the requirements around it. So what but about you know, um, taking these small baby steps? It works.
1: What about hiring? I mean, hiring has got to play a big role in this. I mean, if you don't hire good people, you know, then, then you can't get them going the way you want it.
2: That's correct. And, uh, you know, it harkens back to uh, get the right people on the bus, right? Make sure you have the right people on the bus. And, um, and, you uh, Many of our clients use an assessment tool called the P60 that I provide, and that allows them to have a a peek into the personality of the people that they're hiring, and to make sure that they're going to be put into the right position in their organizations. And so the, the hiring process is tricky, especially now because there's a pretty shallow pool of qualified employees.
1: Well, uh, apparently there's, uh, there's not a lot of people available, and uh, if, not, if a lot of people are not available, then the number of people who are really good has got to be pretty low. Very,
2: very small. It's a big problem right now, actually. Yeah. And so the um, other side of this goal is you know how do you retain your your employees as well, and that's where creating a high performance organization comes into play is retaining your top quality people?
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing, if uh, beside compensation. Uh, if you don't create an environment where people enjoy what they do and feel good about what they do, and you know that that old command and control not being there anymore, these young people who want to have more self fulfillment and all this other stuff—if you don't have that good environment, people aren't aren't sticking around.
2: Yeah, it's also now coming out that you know having all kinds of great food and ping pong tables and pool tables and bring your dog to work day. It's important, but it doesn't create a high performance culture. A leader, you know, I'll use an example of my old company when I was producing meetings and events and we were doing a big meeting at at a big hotel here in Los Angeles and we had a lunch break and I went out and I brought in really good food for the crew. And the guy who was directing the crew said, why are you doing that? You're going to spoil them. Well, you know, I didn't like that attitude. My attitude was, these are the people, they're part of my team. And my performance is going to be as strong as the weakest link on my team. So I wanted to know that they were appreciated. I valued their input. And I took care of them. I really took care of them. And the level of performance that I got from people was extraordinary.
1: You know, that uh, when you, the, the word spoil kind of harkens back to that command and control. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it really... I, it's what's interesting that I heard you say five minutes ago was that there's the command and control and there's the high performance and they're totally different styles and there probably are a few other ones. So, uh, what is the style of high performance? What because there's a bunch of things, there's a bunch of directions we can go here. What's sure? You know what? What? How would you define it? What is it?
2: So, a high performance organization has a very clear um, vision and direction for their company, and that is communicated consistently throughout the whole organization so going back to the example you gave where they had a certain amount of money to spend on problems that is what a high performance organization that's one thing that they would do in order to support their employees to be able to deliver a high level of customer support and service there also as we mentioned there's leadership and there's um, and the structure of a company so Leaders move away from being command and control, barking orders to engagement and conversations and and helping them understand their role. Today's generation, they want to understand what their role is in fulfilling on the company's mission. If they don't understand that, there's a disconnect for them, they're going to be less engaged. So we also have to teach communication skills. And a relatively new area, which is called psychological safety on teams. Which um, is psychological safety is is when each team member feels that they can have direct and candid conversations without any fear of being criticized or reprimanded. And uh, and that is leading to high performance as well.
1: God, that's that's gotta that's gotta be a uh, a big topic these days. I mean, that's you know even, even in families and even in personal relationships, I mean, you know, you say something to somebody, they don't respond the way you want, then you don't keep confiding anymore because you don't get the, the the style of feedback you want. I mean, how do you, I mean, is, is there like a technique for someone to listen, take a deep breath and not be overly, I mean, overly emotional. So I guess this whole emotional intelligence thing ties into, you know, not, not overreacting and making people feel safe right. so that they can confide.
2: Yeah, and the technique is to learn is to teach listening. Um, listening is such a huge part of communicating, and you know sometimes um, when you're talking with somebody, this is very common actually. They're talking, you're not even really listening. You're formulating your response before they're <laughs> even done.
1: Yeah, that's right. unfortunately that's that's what what happens. Yeah, right,
2: and that's where miscommunication happens all the time. So if a leader has a reputation of, of barking orders or not listening or being highly emotional or not being predictable how they're gonna not it's not predictable how they're gonna show up every day and even minute by minute, yeah. then there's a lack of trust, which is also another major component of high performance teams. High performance leadership is trust. So the first one of the things that we work on is how do you listen and how do you help them understand that you understand what they're saying, right? So some people would know that as parroting back what the question was or what their answer was, but you gotta go a little bit deeper than just parroting back. You try to get the intention behind it. So um, an example might be, you know, a manager or leader might say to an employee, okay, we did a great job here, but you made a mistake over there, what happened? Right, the employee says, well, You know, I just didn't understand the process, but I went ahead and I did it anyways. And so the leader might say back, okay, so I get that you really want to do a great job. You're motivated to do a great job and you took action and the action didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. What are some steps that you could take next time to ensure that the actions you take are more in line with what we need to accomplish? You see the difference?
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally see the difference. And you know, here's here's what's kind of on my mind here is that some people are sensitive to other people. Mm-hmm. Many, many people are not very mm-hmm. sensitive to other people, and so forget about being at work. This is just not their style in their life. And and I would imagine that this is not an easy skill to learn. I mean, it's a critical skill, but I imagine it's not that easy. What do What do you think?
2: Well, the first question we always a- I always ask them is. So how's that working for you? <laughs> and what do they
1: say? Are, are you, they honest? Are you
2: getting the results that you want?
1: Are, are, you know, when, when you ask them, when you, when you kind of point the finger at their style, are they honest? Do they tell you the truth?
2: So if they say, well, my style is perfect. It's all their fault. My next question is, are you coachable? Right? And I have <laughs> leaders who say, no, I'm not. And I say, okay, then we're done here. Right? There's yeah. nothing I can do to help you be a better leader and a better communicator if you're not coachable. So if they say something and I say, well, you know, no, my my communication style is fine, or this is the way I do things. If I ask them how's that working for you, and they say, oftentimes they'll say, you know, not not very well. It really is not working for me. And I said, okay, so what's not working for you? And and then they'll you know they'll they'll say, well, I'm not getting the results I want. So then we'll back it down. We'll take a look at it and. Um, and then we'll begin to identify what's not working for them, but they have to be coachable. They have to want to change. Yeah. Well, you know
1: what? Uh, and that's that's part of the sales process is really helping people understand, uh, you know, what the impact of their their actions are that's not working, and that's that's not necessarily easy to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to share a quick story with you. Go ahead. Yeah. So as I was going through the you know the certification process for doing this work, this is about 2008. I was doing, um, I had my meeting production company I was doing an event for one of my clients, Deloitte. It was an award show. And I've been doing this event for 10 years in a row. And uh, I had it down, down down, pat. But one year we were doing the event down in San Diego and everything was set up. And I was sitting in the back of the room on my tech riser going over the show flow when the maitre d' came up to me and said, you know, your pipe and drape doesn't look good here. And there's a big gaping hole. Where we can see all the cables. Now, this is about two hours before the doors opened, And man, Joel, I got so pissed off. I mean, I was seeing red. Why? I, I don't know. I just got really mad. Why? Well, and I know why. Because I knew the hole was there. The gaping hole was there. I didn't do anything about it at that time. And I was pissed that I was being called out.
1: So, so you were kind of embarrassed.
2: I was embarrassed, right? Yeah. And I was having a key moment. And I was no longer in my A game. So I looked at him and I said in the nastiest voice possible, I'll take care of it, don't worry, right? And he goes, good. And he begins to walk away and he looks over his shoulder at me again. And I said, what is your problem? And he looked at me and yelled, nothing, what's your problem? Right? so we started having this little interaction and then I stood up to really yell at him and I noticed that my client was in the room, in the front of the room at one of the banquet tables going over her her presentation. So I sat down and my audio engineer looked at me and said, don't worry, Robert, I'll take care of this. And, and I sat down and I thought, you know, I'm having a key moment here and I don't want to go this way. I'm going to hit the pause button. You know, I almost did something that probably would have had consequences that would have been very severe, like losing my best client. And so after I calmed myself down, I walked down, walked over to him and tapped him on the shoulder and, you know, said, hey, my name is Robert and I'm the uh, event manager producer i've been doing this for 10 years and i bet you and i have the same objective we want our mutual client to have a great time because i looks at me goes what really and i said yeah right and he said yeah that's what i want too i said great we fixed the pipe and drape come back and take a look at it which shocked the hell out of him but he got back he came back there and he said this looks great robert and i said great thank you pointed out to us and we shook hands and i went back to my job he went back to his five minutes later he comes up to me and says hey robert i want to go over the schedule with you should we move this here move there? We'll be that, you know, blah, 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 blah. So in that moment, we became a team.
1: Yeah. And, you know, our, our egos uh, don't always, they're, they're not always our friend, I guess. No, huh? they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. You know, and, and that's, that's really, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, we let that get in the way. Because if you're in the service business, you know, you're there to serve your client. Uh, that hotel's there to serve their client, the the vendors, all the other vendors, everybody's kind of got the same objective. You're pretty much all on the same side of the table. You just don't necessarily realize it. So, all right. So look, so, so as a, uh, as an executive coach, how do you, how do you get people to step outside themselves and see, see that they're not being very nice? I mean, how, how do you do that?
2: Well, um, I keep going back to, it's the questions that that we ask, and um, and it's taking that questioning process usually far deeper than a CEO has ever gone through in the past. But once we can get them to identify, even at the most basic level, that their communication style is not working, that they're being emotionally triggered by something, then I have a crack in the door to leverage. Then I can put my fingers in the door and begin to open it up. And we teach a very specific process, a model on managing your key moments. And, and once they identify that, you know, that they're being triggered and the result of them being triggered usually sets up more key moments, we then help them understand, um, you know, like what paradigm are they experiencing the key moments through? There are four basic paradigms. There's you know, fear, there's duty, there's achievement, and integrity. We're not going to go into those. There's not time for that. But when they, do make, they understand that, then they understand the meaning they assign to their key moment. And then the meaning usually informs their feelings, right? And then the feelings usually cause the behavior. And depending on how they behave, either they're becoming more emotionally intelligent or they're going down the called the pathway of survival. So, and so let me, people are so, used to the survival pathway.
1: So, so let me, let me just try to recap a couple things. So yeah. we're talking about high performance. We're talking about these uh, like the culture of high performance mm-hmm. and you were talking about emotional intelligence. You're talking about psychological safety. What are the other components? Are there other components of a high performance environment?
2: Absolutely. What, um, what, what are some other trust. ones? Building trust is is critical, and um, and communication is critical. Having managing those critical conversations in a productive way, not in a um, aggressive way. And um, and then there's the part about the strategy of the organization. So if the if the mission and vision of a company is not clear to the employees. If it's not clear from the top down, I'll give you an example of that. If you ever read um, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah, um, there's a there's a scene there's a section in there where um, he talks about how um, even the the maid had a little card, and on the front was her personal mission statement, and on the back was her manager's mission statement. And then he went to the manager, and the manager had his mission statement on the front. And then his manager's mission statement on the back. Huh. And that went up the chain. So, so there was a consistency across the entire hotel um, employee pool of how they're going to treat their customers. And that, that is a great example of high performance. He didn't call it high performance when he wrote the book, but that is high performance. That's making sure that the vision and mission of the organization is trickled down. It, you know, a lot of companies say, well, we got a mission statement, and they put it up on the wall. Right, and it becomes the wall candy, or become people start to ignore it because it's not they're not living it.
1: Well, the other thing is that those statements tend to be so complex and blah 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 that that nobody even knows what they mean. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The great great example of um, of of also very effective mission statements. Um, You know, when when in the '60s NASA said that we're going to be the leaders in space space exploration. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. What does that mean? Kennedy said, "We're going to put a man on the moon." Yeah, right. So yeah. By the way, you know, we would call that a wig. You know, um, you know, a, a wildly important goal.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, th- those when you when you when you use very concrete language, it really is intentional. It really goes a long way, which is yeah. awesome.
2: Well, perception. Per- we. we the whole idea of assuming and perception is very dangerous, right? Because you and I can look at the same exact thing and we'll see two different things. In fact, one of the examples is that like Warshaw type test of an old woman and a young woman in one picture. And some people can see the young woman, people can only see the older woman. You know, so how, how are two different, how are different people seeing very different things, but they're looking at the same exact picture? Yeah. And that's perception.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, and you know, perception is reality, which is why you have to have uh you know, good behavior, good standards, good, you know, all these things good. So, you know, so you got this so this framework of emotional intelligence, psychological mm-hmm. safety, building trust, communication, uh you know, is there any one that is the most important or or if, or if you don't have one, the whole thing falls apart. How does it yeah, work? Yeah, they're
2: they're pretty interdependent on each other. Um, I think that where it needs to start, though, is developing leaders and managers and employees in emotional intelligence. I think that's the starting point because you really can't have effective communication if you're being triggered by everything the other person is saying. Um, you know, and and trust really can't be built if they don't trust how other people are going to respond to situations in the work environment. So, I think it starts with emotional intelligence. Um, psychological safety is not an organizational um, intervention. It's a team level intervention. So that can be done at a later time. Um, trust is an organizational structure. So leaders have to be developed first in emotional intelligence and trust and how to communicate. Because if they're doing something different, nothing's gonna happen down below. Yeah. And that's, I think we come back to your first question. Um, where I answered, um, you know, when Peter Drucker said, culture strategy front for lunch. Um, that is so important to developing a good culture in an organization.
1: You know, it just seems to me like if uh, if you've got a boss that's kind of high strung and the person's got a short fuse, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't have good, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, but the employee doesn't feel psychologically safe. Like they, they feel like they can be yelled at or they mm-hmm. feel like they could have all different kind of problems and, and that just doesn't work. I mean, so, um, I mean, I, I kind of get that these things all work together and then trust, trust is a whole other topic. I mean, that's yeah. for a different day. And, and we've discussed this on our show. Uh, how do, you know, how do companies know that they, uh, that things aren't working? Like what are some of the symptoms of a, of a company that's broken?
2: Yeah. Um, so it's a very, very clear, um, Symptoms number one turnover goes up Number two people start showing up late Um, They're doing the bare minimum work. You're not getting any of that discretionary effort from people not another symptom Um, More customer service complaints might be a symptom of a culture that that's not working loss of productivity diminished profits These are these are all indicative of a bad culture You know, what's interesting,
1: uh, every single one of those is specific, but accountants don't keep track of all those things. That's correct. So they don't always show up on financial reports. You know, so you kind of have to read between the lines. Uh, I I mean, listen, if profit goes down, if sales goes down, if margins, uh, you know, change, uh, those things are obvious. But, you know, you don't see that right away. You know, I mean, so people have to kind of look beyond the financial statements and look at some other things.
2: Yeah, so you can look and see: Was well, it environmental? Has the market changed, or is something not working right within our culture? And and just because you have high turnover or more customer complaints is not necessarily indicative of a poor culture. There could be something else at play, but those are definitely signs that there very well might be a problem with the with employee engagement and culture of the organization.
1: Yeah. How do you, um, so, you know, now you throw the word employee engagement. Um, if you have these other things, that still doesn't mean your employees are engaged. That means that they're not, they're not being put off or pushed away. But now that you, let's say you have a good environment, how do you draw your people in and engage them in a, in a positive way?
2: Well, I, uh, employees today, they want to do work that's meaningful and, and helps move the company forward. And so if you put an employee in a silo working by themselves and they don't connect to the greater company mission statement or the greater comp- the vision of the company, then, then, then they're not going to be as engaged as we might want them to, to be. That's, that's one, one example. Um, another way to draw people in is to be curious about their opinions and don't, don't, don't diminish or don't push off their suggestions. That kind of goes into psychological safety now. Right? That that employees, you know, who who is closest to to a company's customers? The CEO or the customer service agents?
1: Yeah, customer service, sales, right? the people all that the are customer facing. People,
2: yeah. All of the frontline people. They're the closest. So they have they probably have a much better insight to what's going on than somebody in the C suite. They never engage with customers. but yet those people on the front line are not are rarely asked, you know do you have suggestions or how can we work on this? They're not part of committees. It's done more at a leadership and managerial level. An- another mistake that companies make, especially in sales departments, is they take a top performing sales person and put them into a manage- put him into a managerial position without giving them any training and development and how to work with people. So 9 out of 10 times when that happens, the sales manager fails. And that's true across an entire company.
1: What's clear and obvious is that companies that uh, are great, uh, it didn't happen by coincidence. Mm -mm. Uh, And really, this is the inside track. I mean, what we're talking about is the best, smartest, and fastest way to be a great company. You have to train your people. It's got to be a top priority for your executives. I mean, all the things that you just said, you know, that it has to, you have to have your uh, emotional intelligence and your psychological safety and all your things have to be in order. And you know, listen, I, I uh, I'm with you on this, and I I wish that more companies were better, so that more companies could help all the people in their community take better care of their families. And That's really what the uh, entrepreneur, the the you know the uh, the medium-sized business world's about is is really spreading the wealth.
2: That's right. Richard Branson said it beautifully when he said, "Your first priority is not to take care of your." customers is to take care of your employees. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of your customers.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, the, the way I kind of say something kind of similar is that uh, business is not about money. Business is about people. That's right. And, you know, if you take care of your people, your people will make you money. So, That's right. you know, listen, man, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your insights and, you know, we'll, we'll publish your information on the show notes so people can, you know, connect with you if they Wonderful. want to. But I really appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing and you know being part of the program.
2: Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. All right, man.
1: Listen, All Robert, right. thanks, uh, thanks very much, and I appreciate your friendship. Thanks, Joel. Me too.
0: You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.
1: How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com.
0: Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street, so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000, and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.